And more, and my special guest today is one of the sound persons to everyone that has thrown a party or DJ at a party with. We have the one and only Mr. Dwayne Woods. Welcome, Dwayne. Welcome, welcome. How you doing, brother? I'm doing excellent. Uh, glad to be here. Blessed and feel like uh, it's an honor uh, to get someone actually interested in what I may have done. Oh, absolutely. You, you're part of the culture and the history, man. So, I mean, that's everybody from DJs, promoters, dancers. Um, that, that's everyone, man. So that's why we have to do this. So, okay, we, you know, we can have this that. in history because no one have ever, ever done this before. Okay. All right. So, Dwayne, you ready to get into it? Uh, let's see what we could do. All right. Let's do it. So, Dwayne. Okay. You came from Lynn Bloom High School that has a strong legacy in house music. How and when did you connect to the culture of house music? You know, we didn't call it house music back in the day. Okay. We called it the mixes. The it mixes. was the hot mixes. Okay. And when I was at Limbloom, that's exactly what we called it. We, we were we were trying to do the mixes. So can can you describe the scene at that time in popular records and how people was dressing? Well, back then, the reference point was pretty much WBMX, a Hot Mix 5. And we pretty much uh, wanted to emulate what we were hearing Farley and all the other members of Hot Mix 5 do. Okay. Uh, we would walk around with uh, uh, radios, uh, playing our cassette tapes with mixes that we had created at the house. Okay. Uh, we would hear mixes that were on the radio and thought they were cool and see if we could redo it. As a young man, that's what we were doing. Right. Now, as a young man, I was a DJ, too, at that time. So uh, my my people that uh, were around me at that time was uh, Eric Miller. Okay. Uh, him and I walked yeah. the halls of Limbloom many a times. Okay. Uh, Dewey, for one year. Dewey Bullock. Yes. I ran across uh, Dewey Bullock, his name. Yes. I ran across um, Eric E.T. Taylor. Okay. I give a lot of attributes to him. Um accolades i should say because eric and i ran together uh he had a car and he was kind of a little bit more popular right um there were other people uh i knew Armando. uh he was at Limbloom, and basically at that time uh we were just playing mixes and walking the hallways talking about uh, Beat the Street and okay. Don't You Love Me Baby and right. Situation and things like that. So what shifted you from becoming a DJ to doing sound? Well, uh, doing sound has always been something that uh, I guess was in me. And uh, from like that record from Little Bitty Boy, I, I was walking through the alleys of the neighborhood uh, collecting speakers that uh, somebody might have threw away on their stereo component set and okay. taking things apart and trying to uh, make my own speakers. And I was reading books about the concept and the ideal about speaker building. So at that point, I was also learning about DJ because I, I had a little sound system, but DJ was the next thing that came along when People started mixing. 
Okay. We, we attended uh, Mendel parties and saw the guys mixing. I had a, a friend of mine. Uh, he's still a friend. His name is Ernest Nathan. Uh, Ernest was the first person I saw on two turntables, mm-hmm. DJing at a neighborhood block parties. And Ernest and his brothers, they used to have a band and they had big PV speakers. Okay. And it was such a, a thrill to go in his basement where he had like a wall of uh, 15s and other type of speakers. Right. And when he played that music and that impact was like shaking your your skeleton. It was yeah. like, wow. you know. And at the right. same time, this was all in like a little basement. So uh, it, it was just inspiring. It was it was it was like having a fire and somebody throwing some more lighter fluid on it. It was just getting bigger. Right. So basically, uh, I'm DJing. The people around me, like I said, Eric Miller, Armando. Then I met Ferris, uh, Little John, all these type of people that are around me. They they basically uh, watched when I had uh, speakers that I had built. And they were interested. They said, wow, those speakers, they sounded nice while I was DJing. They, Where did you get them from? And I was like, well, I built them. And they asked me if they could use them when they would go DJ a party. And I said, okay. And it was a little bit less DJing, a little bit more speakers. Right. So what, what age were you at, at this time? Um, I take everything to be around... Uh, 17 it was 16 1983 okay. when i was exposed to actual mixing okay. and walking the halls now it was probably in existence before then Correct. but when i was exposed to it and at that time the music like i said was beat the streets and don't you love me baby and last night dj saved my life um and then from that uh, it was 84, then it was graduation, it was still a little DJing going on, right. and then 85, 86 started the time frame when I, I really started ramping up and meeting a lot of new DJs. Right. I met uh, yourself, I met Hula, right. um, uh, you, uh, Little Lewis, uh, DJ Pierre, right. uh, Mike Dunn, I mean all of these Young men at that time, because they all were young men, Absolutely. were uh, embarking and DJing, whether they had been doing it, but I just met them. Yes, yes. And it was all centralized around, they came to a party or they spoke to somebody and they had uh, heard some speakers that I had made and uh, it was like, well, can I use those? And I was like, sure. So what, what, what actually type of speakers were those when you was using at the time, Dwayne? Well, back then, I was reading a lot of books, and it seemed like the scoop design uh, was a popular. It was either called a scoop or a W. Right. And the reason they call it a scoop is because the the woofer was up at the top, and there was a big opening at the bottom to look like a scoop. Right. So they called it a scoop. And a W was a very similar speaker, and they called it W because you couldn't see the speaker, but it looked like a W if you were to remove the top of the cabinet. Mm. It had like a point in the middle okay. and then two side wings, so it looks like a W. Right. Now, these designs are not new. They were not prior, uh, prior toward, you know, my prior priority type designs or designs I prior, I can't say the word, but they weren't prior designs theory. that I manufactured. Right. They are just copies. Yeah. This stuff had been around back in the 50s. Right. 
But, uh, you know, as with anything, you, you can't afford the latest stuff that's out there. So you just uh, get what you get and make it do what it do. Right. But your, your system helped shape the sound of Chicago's underground house scene. Like a huge cross-selection of DJs like Andre Hatchett, Terry Hunter, Lil Lewis, Steve Hurley, and even Frankie Knuckles and Ron Hardy. All played with your system. Why do you think your system was in such of demand at that time? Well, um, I had a lot of friends that were doing sounds. Now, the person that impressed me was a young man or older gentleman named Frenchie. Frenchie's sounds used to be like banging. And I had no way to compare what I had at that time to what his level of professionalism was. But it was a, a... it was a, a goal. He, he Getting to something like he was doing was sort of like the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Right. And there were other people that were around at that time. You had Bob Simmons, which was a heavy hitter. Okay. You had Kim Samuels. He's rest in peace. He was a heavy hitter. Okay. And all of these older people at that time, they all had quality equipment. Yeah. And it had a good sound. And I'm just little starting as a lot of young people who start off want to know, how do you get there? So what I did is I I built, built, built to try to get to what they had. Now, I guess what took it to be more of a preference of me is because I was in that same peer group as everybody who was, who was coming up. Okay. So these people that were coming up was like, he's my age. He's, he's my boy. You know, I'm gonna call him for the equipment. Right. We were doing sock yeah. cops. We yeah. were doing small banquet facilities. Parties was so easy to have back then yeah. that people were doing parties every, you know, almost every week. Right. So I think the preference of them wanting to use my sound was because I was always striving to have something that was the full dynamic of the music spectrum right. and. Uh, since I kind of understood that, then that's where I was trying to get the speakers to reach that point. Uh-huh. Okay. And I think maybe the other people just may have been buying speakers yeah. and trying to play them, but I was kind of like trying to study the best way to get out of the speakers. Uh-huh. And uh, as time went on, uh, okay. I continued to try to increase Okay. The performance, but that's what a lot of sound men do. It yeah. wasn't just unique to what I, to me. A lot of people who uh, want their sound to be best they can is yeah. what they try to do. Yeah, yeah. You were good for making your own gear, including modifying turntables into a Mach twelve hundred. Can you tell us about any of the creations you're you're particularly proud of? Okay. Okay, now uh, you researched and found that out that there's only a couple of people. Well, there might be a few people knew that. Right. But basically, uh, when we were in our last year, maybe into, yeah, I said last year of high school, uh, we couldn't afford 1200s. Right. We knew that 1200 turntable was the best turntable out there, right. but we couldn't afford it. So everybody used to use a form of other form. You could use a Technique B2, a D2. The word B stood for belt. The word D stood for direct. That's just a way to platter turn. Yeah. And 
because both of those turntables never really had the amount of power that a 1200 would have, people came up with this thing called a slip pad, which was nothing more than a piece of cardboard and some of the record sleeving cut into a circle. But it allowed the record to, to, to like clutch or basically allowed the record to free itself for a moment. Now, the reason... That was important is because back then, like I said, we were listening to mixes and mixes were trick mixing and stuff like that. So you had to do a lot of back cueing. Now, all that led up to what kind of turntable would be something that could be close to a 1200, but at the same time be able to be afforded. And uh, I was into this store called Olsen that was on 95th Street, and I saw this JVC turntable. And uh, although nobody was using a JVC turntable, this turntable had a coarse lock light on it, which meant that if you set it to a speed, it would stay there. And I was like, wow. But the turntable had a pitch control, which is something that varies the speed, that was in a rotary knob fashion. Right. And everybody wanted a pitch control that was more so in a up and down down slide fashion. Right. Well, I had electronics on my belt because I was attending DeVry and I kind of understood about simple electronics. Right. So I found the value of the rotary pot and I found it in a linear pot, which is one to go up and down. And basically I just cut it to the turntable with a butter knife, made a slot, Mm -hmm. figured out how to mount the uh, slider up in there, move the wires over to the up and down slide potentiometer as opposed right. to rotia, and voila, I had a twelve hundred. Wow! Now, do you have that still to this day, Dwayne? No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so we need pictures of those, man. You have pictures of those or anything? No, that was just as a, you know, that was a poor man's twelve hundred. Okay. Good. 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 So. Can you name some of the clubs you provided sound for and what process was like designing those sounds? Sure. It all started off with a place called uh, Mars Bar. And I attribute that to a friend of mine by the name of Pete Sanders. I met Pete a long time ago off of the inner, off of what they call um, trading times. He was selling some parts for a car. But lo and behold, Pete happened to know other people like Steve Poindex. He actually grew up on that side of town. So Pete had came to a party. I was, I was, you know, didn't have everything I needed. Uh, a friend of mine named DeAndre, he would drive my equipment around in his van. Okay. And we did a party up at Julian High School, and Pete attended and helped me. And he saw the equipment I had. And Pete was a go-getter. So he went out, and he knew these people at the Mars Bar down on Rush Street. And he said, man, they need a sound equipment. We can put a sound system in here if you want to. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. So we we took the equipment I had and pieced everything together, and we put it in the Mars Bar. Now, at that time, the Mars Bar was like a, a, a young Caucasian, uh, juice bar. Okay. We went in there on Saturday or Friday night. It was a lot of Caucasian kids. Basically, they were you know playing 
uh, like B96 music, I guess you would refer to. And really wasn't any uh, African-Americans in there. Wasn't no, none of us there. Just a lot of uh, Caucasians. Right. But uh, that was one of the first places. And that place later became a, a place where uh, a lot of the black kids were having parties and throwing parties at. Wow. So that was the first club. Okay. And then after that, uh, I took some equipment and helped over at the Pleasure Dome. Okay. Um, then a, the next probably club installed if you want to say, call it a club install. Right. Um, I asked to take some equipment up to AKAs. Okay. And then uh, over at CODs. Now, one of my, what I would consider a a milestone, a turning point. Right. Very excited. Now we're talking about, I guess, 19... 87, 88, 89, right around in there. Okay. A good friend of mine, a good friend to today named Reginald Corner. Right. He had seen me setting up equipment different places. And he said, Wayne, we're doing this party called Gallery 21. Okay. Now, we need you to set up some equipment. Now, by that time, I had some decent equipment and I had been setting up equipment for a lot of different people. But I had never set up any equipment for Frankie Knuckles, and I had never touched any equipment for Ron Hardy. Okay. And I'm like, well, who's the DJ? He's like, well, Frankie's going to be the DJ. And I was like, wow, Frankie Knuckles. You know, that was like, no, not Frankie not Frankie Knuckles. Right, right, you know? right. So he said, yeah. So I went up to the club to get ready to set up the equipment. And basically, Frankie had told Reggie and his other partners in this club that, he has his own man, person to set up. Frank is very loyal to the person because they gave him the sound he wanted. Okay. So that's who we want to set up. Well, and this individual did set up the party the first time. Okay. But the next party, Reg was like, nah. So, we, so who was the person that set up for Frankie? That was Dave Harris. Okay. 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 So uh, the next time, uh, Reg said, no, nah, we, we still want Frankie, but we want you, Wayne. Right. We want you to set up the sound. Right. I said, okay. So came up there. Well, Frankie wasn't just going to allow the equipment to be set up just because they said it was going to be. He wanted to have a test run on it. Right, right. So me and my friend DeAndre, we went in there. We put double scoops. And I made these speakers called quad bottoms. Okay. And they were some knockers. And the only reason I made them is because Frenchie had a pair, and I really didn't know how they was made, so I tried to copy them as best I could. Okay. And I was real successful in what they did. Right. So I took that speaker. I had a, a huge amplifier called a Macintosh Pretty Amp. Oh, yeah. I had the first rotary mixer that I think DJs started to use, which was a, a, a GLI okay. 3990. Okay. Now, back in the disco days, that mixer was used in all the clubs. Right. But we weren't in disco times now. Yeah. We were in mixing and hot mixing. Right. So they had faders and stuff, you right. know, and sl- up and down. Yeah. But this 3990, I was like, wow, it's got rotary knobs, you know. I hope you like using it. So I put the rotary, I put this mixer in. I didn't know what rotary was going to be. It right, was just right. I put that in. Right. And man, that Gallery 21, for its short little time that it was there, it was what I considered to be very 
milestone of event turning. And then meeting Frankie Knuckles, yeah. Frankie was like, uh, you, you, you got it. Right. So I was like, okay. And after that, I was setting up whenever Frankie was doing remote parties. Right. I was setting up for Frankie Knuckles, wow. and I was, you know, it was it was a pleasure to and do. How that. old were you at this time? Probably twenty four, twenty five. Wow. That's that's, you know? that's great, Wayne. That's great. So at the peak, what was the most amount of parties you could set up at one night? I learned early on that I would only stress myself to about. Three. Okay. Because back then, uh, I didn't have all the fancy uh, equipment that could give limits and controls on amplifiers. Okay. So we used to always try to find amplifiers that wouldn't destroy speakers because some of the music that was coming out there was pretty much unfinalized. It was right. just something, a track that somebody made in their basement. Yeah. And a lot of times horns would get taken out easy. Right. So... Uh, I go set up equipment at one place and then run off to another place. And then we didn't have cell phones. So I, then I get a beeper, right. you know, saying that there's a problem back at the first place. Right. So I learned early on, if you're going to do something, you got to give quality to the people you work with. And the right. best way to do that is not to be in four places of three places at one time right. is to do maybe two parties and, and, and give them, what they deserve and and just leave it at that. Right. So that's what I only use. I only do two parties. Okay. So let, let's let me ask you this. At that time, who blew more speakers for on for, on your system? Well, let me rephrase that. Which DJ blew more of your speakers than anyone? Okay. Well, the DJs all have good rapport with them, and nobody wants to see a speaker blown. Right. Uh, one of my favorite lines I used to hear is, I didn't touch the volume. I left exactly where you <laughs> left it at. And I always just tell people, you got to touch the volume because right. the records go up and down. Exactly. But uh, I think I lost speakers with my friend Ferris. He was great. He was good about it. Yeah. But he, every every DJ just liked to play hard. Yeah. I had little Lewis. He liked to play hard. Sometimes I would lose a speaker with him. Right. Um, Who's the most? Who's all, the who? Who's the most out of well, all the DJs in Chicago you dealt with? You know what? I, I wouldn't say any DJ was the most because I never had a stigma on, oh, no, I can't set up for him because he a problem. Right. It's, it's, I learned to deal with the problems because a lot of times they only had a need, yeah. a need for the music to be doing what it do. Right. And that was my job, to be able to create something that allow the music to do what it do. Right. And at the same time, that come back with speakers blown. But right, right. sometimes that just happened because, like I said, a lot of the DJs were playing on music that was not finalized so that it was had no type of compression or nothing on it. Right. Okay. Okay. So all DJ roads have come through you, Dwayne. Can you talk about the different phases of DJ styles? And have they changed over the years? Like the shift from tricks, scratching, um, you know, and doing everything like that or working a crossover like Frankie and Ronnie? Yes. Like I said, in the infant stage when I was DJing and other people were DJing, we called it mixes because it was trick mixing. 
And somebody might call us something else because a lot of this stuff deals with who you talk to. But you listen to WBMX and Farley, he get to scratching, right. you know, and you'd be like, wow, yeah. listen to that. That's, you know, doing all of that. Right. You want to try to do it. You couldn't be as fast. Right. You go to Steve Hurley. I've seen Steve probably put on 20 songs, right. one in five minutes. Right. And you'd be like, how does he do that? Yeah. Um, then, so that's what was going on at that time. Okay. Then it started shifting a little bit to more of, a, instead of trick mixing, more of making records kind of complement each other. Yeah. So that was a yeah. little bit more, more, uh, I guess you would say, more of an in-line mixing breaks to intros and things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, and, and at this point, I still did not hear the word house mix at all. Really? Now, no, I didn't hear the word house okay, mix. Okay, okay. So then I started seeing a shift where we were playing uh, a lot of the... Uh, Looking for the perfect beat, Tommy Boy stuff, and all that. Right. It started shifting. Uh, the beat, the streets started shifting. It started going into like uh, "Dead Before the Grace of God" and "It's Not Over." Those type of music started to become a little bit more popular. And we used to say those were like I can't remember the term. If it was how uh, it wasn't house, but it might have been um, classics. No, it wasn't classic. They didn't call them classic. It was a term. I just don't remember. Okay. But we would start playing that. Okay. And then... But those records were before the um, Beat the Streets and everything, correct? They may have been created before okay. them, but but my exposure to hearing them, okay. like Day Before the Grace of God and things like that, might have been... I don't know. I don't know if they were old records that got brought up. It's just right. when we started playing them. Okay. Now, it's all of a sudden... I remember it, it was it was real real clear. People were making music on a Casio, which was part of the BMX. They had that little bitty Casio, a you know making the making the music themselves. Right. right. But that started to sh to change. Instead of just a Casio, then it was a little beat machine, right. and they were able to to create a beat. Right. And next thing I know, I remember it. It was it was it was another milestone. Steve Hurley, he came to my house. He said, "Hey, can you fix this amplifier for me?" Right. And I'm like, "I bring it over, man. Let me see if I can look at it." Yeah. So he brought the amp over. I was like, "I don't know. It's, it's beyond my skill set level at this point because I was going to Devry, right. but I still hadn't learned everything." Right. Right. So he said, "You got a tape deck around here?" I said, "Yeah." He brought this. He put the tape in, and he was playing it, and it was. I can't turn around by Steve Hurley. That doom, 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 doom. Right. And I was like, okay. And then he was singing, oh, your armprints stink, your breath is something. I can't turn around. You right. need to brush your teeth, whatever he was saying. <laughs> and I was right. like, Steve, how you do that? He was like, man, I just got me a, a, a some kind of reel to reel. Right. And it was tracks. Okay. And you could record two and play back the other two. Right. If you wanted to do that way. And he was telling me how he could, he was, he had recorded it, then laid some music on top of it, then laid some vocals on top of it, and he sung real low in the microphone, just a cheap mic, and he had made that I Can't Turn Around. And then he came out with the All, all, all Shucks, and I was like, wow. That's they, Farley came out with that one. 
I don't know. Yeah. But Steve, I saw Steve came. We it's not overplayed right. at the at at the place. And it sounded like it was pause, but it wasn't pause mix. It was looped some kind of way. And it was uh baby, 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 baby. Right. And you know, we was like, because before you could only do that by like spinning Trick. it back, yeah, going yeah, again, yeah. spin it back. Yeah, yeah. But this was Going on and on, so right? That's when edits became. It was editing, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And then the next thing I know, somebody, you know, start having a little beat. Then it was a mondo, and then it was uh, DJ Pierre with the acid sound. Right. And it was like you know everybody was making it. It was Nick, Nick nonstop, and his partners. It was you and Hula out right. at the. At the flower shop, yep. everybody it's, had a Tascam four channel, yeah. and they had made some music. Right, and that's when I noticed it was starting to shift. Now, I don't know if it was called House, right. but when Chip came out, Chip e. and Chip E, right? Because Chip Irvin and I, he, we went to grammar school together. Okay, okay, but he was just Irvin, and I was just Dwayne. Right, and then when high school. He was DJing and I was DJing. Right. But he would come around. At that time, you do a basement party, charge a dollar, get in. He had the blue lights and the red yeah, lights yeah, in the yeah, ceiling. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And everybody would talk about who's got the party going on. And everything was over on the east side, right? right. Oh, such and such is going to party. And then they, you would show up as a DJ with your crate of records and your headphones around your head. Right. Thinking, can I get a little, can I get a five minutes on the box? You know, and then they'd be like, well, what records you got? Some people uh, would have uh, Walk the Night. Like, that was a classic. They'd be like, where you get that from? Right, you know, right, can't right, nobody right. find that. You know, they have On and On and all that. So, yeah, all of that, it was, to me, was how it was shifting and turning. Okay. And then when when Chip came out that with it, his house, right. his house, his house, all house. And it was like, wow. that And it was, the, it was a combination of making your own beat yeah. and putting some words behind it. Yeah. Now, if that's when they start calling the house, hey, that's when they start calling. So, but, so stop right there because I was going to ask you this. So, as the story goes, you know, and and what everybody say, but you you were an unbiased witness to the development of house music as a genre. In your opinion, what do you think the first house record was? Well, am I? Because see, that is the key. That's the key to your to your question. Right. We all, and I say this because I I try not to discredit anybody's for having an opinion. Correct. And if I'm going to answer your question, but I just want to make an analogy. When you read in the Bible and they talk about the accounts of Jesus Christ, it's not an author of one person that says this is how it was, no matter right. what nobody says. Right. It's multiple authors. Is there but they all tell the story of what his purpose was. Right. Okay. So it's multiple authors to house music. Okay. And in different areas of the city, they were experiencing different things. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it all came about and we grouped it all together and we called it house music. Okay. Where it came from, I, I really don't know. What was the first house record? I really, really don't know. But I could say I remember hearing uh his house okay. being a start. Okay. And then after his house, and people were playing, because I was doing a sound system up there, the loop roller skating ring. Right. And the young kids would come up there where Armando and Joe Lewis would play. They would DJ every, I think it was either Friday or Saturday night. Okay. And when they were up there playing, 
that's when uh, they came out with that. But remember, this is the time everybody's making tracks, right? Right. right. So you got Marshall Jefferson, you yes. got the Amandolos, you got the Mike, you got everybody. Right. Okay. Right. And they came out with that. Got to have house. Right. Now, man, listen. I don't know where you would be at, <laughs> right? But when you heard, man, it was like, oh, that's it. Oh yeah, you know that was that. it. Yeah. And even today, yeah. you hear, dun, 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 yeah. and so where? Yeah, not sure. Okay. What record? Not sure. Right. But the records, I am sure about. Okay. okay, and those were those records, right? So the warehouse, the Paradise Garage in New York, both famously had Rich Along systems. How do you feel your speaker designs compared to his, and they do they live up to the hype? Okay. Now, I can't really gauge myself to the Paradise Garage or the Warehouse simply because we t- oh, anything that took place in New York, because I never visited those places. But I can tell you, I can compare what I was doing to what was happening in Chicago. Okay. And what was so legendary about Chicago Started with two places, obviously Frankie Knuckles at the at the what they call the warehouse that I knew about. It was other places before then too, but what was called a warehouse and also the music box. Right now, I'd never been to the where I never been to the warehouse that was on Jefferson or wherever okay. it was. Right, but I had gone to the music box. Now the music box, the music box had different people who had brought speakers in there to let them use. Okay. It was CH Company, my buddy Jeff Anthony and John Anthony. Okay. It was DeAndre, my buddy DeAndre. And it was me. Okay. And it was also my buddy Pete. Now, when me and DeAndre, we're still friends today, but when we were out there doing a lot of sound rental, right. I remember at the end of a party, DeAndre asked me, he said, Wayne, you want to go down here? To the music box, man, I got to check on my equipment. And I said, well, DeAndre, you know, I'm supposed to be home by at least 2.30, 3 o'clock. <laughs> right. You know, I can't just be out like that. Right. You know, he'll be all right, man, come on. So I get in this van, me and, a, and a, another friend of mine at the time, and we go downtown. Now, <clears throat> we go under Wacker, Lower Wacker Drive, which okay. I had never been before, right. and we, we pass by this place. Now, you know, he don't have air conditioning, nothing like that right, in the fan, so right. windows roll down. Well, we go about a block away, underground, parked up against some loading dock, right? Right. And all I hear is, like, damn. Oh, I don't know if you said I said, man. Yeah, you can do whatever you want to say, you can do it. That's hitting, right? Right. So as we walk up to the crop, up to the entrance, right. it's all these people standing around talking, right? And you hear just boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, man. So DeAndre, since he working for him, he go there. It's a lot of weird people to me, yeah. right? But yeah. there are a lot of listen. They all the all the heads out here, right. all the old heads. Right. They was all there, there yeah. right? They go to the door. DeAndre, said, oh, he with me, so we go, we come on in. We on the first side, right? And I'm like looking around. Wait, before you say DeAndre's last name so people know who you're talking Sanders, about. Sanders. DeAndre, DeAndre Sanders. Sanders. So I'm looking right. around. And it's like the on one side, some benches, people standing around. It wasn't no super decorated thing, right, you know. Right. Uh there's right up against the edge, there's a little some fruit and some water and stuff. But then you go around the corner, and when you went around the corner, the DJ booth was kind of like 
right there too. Right. As soon as you went around that corner, it was just like you went from darkness to light. Because <laughs> you right. went around the corner and it was sing, sing, you know, boom, boom. Then I was like, man. And I remember just like he was playing, it's not over. And it was in that beat that, you know, let no man put us on a boom, 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 boom. And then all of a sudden it just, everything went away and it was. It's like, man. Then it came back in, boom, 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 boom. So I said, DeAndre, man, you know, uh, it's beating up here. My, you know, our version of beating, you know what I'm saying? And what he did is I look around like I do all the time and I see a speaker and I made that speaker. I was like, that's my swoop that I sold you. He said, yeah, man, those are the swoops you sold me. I said, I didn't know they would be like that. He's like, well, I took the one wolf and put the other wolf in there. And I was like, man. So uh, that was, you know. What did he do to your speaker to change it up to make it different? The speaker I had in there was a a lesser expensive JBL. And he put a a heavier, more heavy duty JBL. And he he took it down and put it in the club. And basically, I had sold him those speakers because once I made that design, right. the particular company I worked for, they wanted me to make some more of them. Okay. Okay. So they, they had asked me if I'd like to come work over there making speakers. Now, where was that at? Huh? Where was that at? That was Two Brothers Music and Q Electronics. I owe a lot to my friend Quincy. By this time, I was probably getting ready to come out of DeVry. And Quincy had told me, if you really want to learn how to do something, as far as fixing, you come work with me and I'll show you. Right. Now, Quincy was from Haiti and he was one of the smartest men I ever knew. Okay. And basically, we were up in Q Electronics and fixing amplifiers. I had another friend by the name of Navelle Logan. Some people refer to him as Brain. I refer to him as Navelle Logan. And yeah, the only Navelle. reason I refer to him as Logan is because we went to Cub Scouts together. So he's Logan to me. That's right. But to everybody down the street, he was called Brain. Okay. Now, Logan and I, was my longest running sound person buddy that I know is right, Logan. Right. We go back to the big to the BBB beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Brain was over there fixing some amps because Quincy was showing Brain and he was showing me. But they also wanted to know if I want to either fix amps or build speakers. Right. So uh I was building in the back building speakers, you know, because uh, I like woodworking anyway. And also, I was doing some amp repair, too. So um, I learned a lot about fixing amps. Uh, I had an opportunity to have some quality speaker bills. Right. Um, and then as time went on, well, Quincy got killed. And that that was something that um, was a tragedy uh, in itself, too. To, it, that, that, that was crazy. Okay. So, but... Everybody came over to Q Electronics, Frenchie, right. Bob, uh, you name it. They came over there to get their speakers reconed yeah. and fixed. My buddy Jeff Anthony worked over there on CH. He did the recone of the speakers. Okay. So it was a nice central place to learn about everything. Right. And it was just not just DJ stuff, but yeah. like live band stuff too. Okay, okay. So... How has your sound company grown since those early days, and have you expanded now? Well, 
in the early it it's it's all the same when I say about all the same, meaning that speakers, the concept, the sound, stuff like that is pretty much the same. Now, it's grown because there are different electronics that are available. Right. Uh, there's still a push to try to become modern, right. which is very expensive to do. Yeah. And, um, and there was a time when... Uh, house music kind of, I would say, started minimizing on the grid. Now, I don't understand why that happened, but... Explain you mean minimizing on the grid. What does that mean? Meaning there was a time when we could throw parties all over the place, and they were all over the place happening. But then it was got to be so difficult to throw a party for our age bracket that that just... the Medusas, the CODs, the AKAs, the powerhouse, the, all that stuff just kind of fell by the wayside a little yeah, bit. Yeah, because it, it got commercial, and people who was who were club and building owners got smart. Was like, okay, we can charge a lot of money to get in. Well, I think what happened is the 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 city lost came into play, and okay. you and you tried to, instead of you going over here. To some place and rent a spot and charging five ten dollars to get in, it was like no, it'll shut you down. Right. So right. there were plenty of parties that I go to. Party get to go on, shut down. Yeah. Party get to go on, shut down. Right. I mean, they shut Frankie Knuckles down on Belmont Rocks. Right. It was the for for our age bracket to go up on Gay Pride Day and go over to the Belmont Rocks. And party out there on the on the lakefront right. was like the ultimate thing. Yeah. Frankie said, "Hey, we're gonna be setting up a part. I want you to set up for me on the Belmont Rocks." I was off, like, "Wow, ready? Right, right, you know right, what I'm right. saying?" We go out there; they had thousands of people. Right. They said, "No, nah, party can't have this. Can't have no it. permit. Y'all ain't supposed to be out here." Wow. Frankie was like, "This is just how the city of Chicago is going. That's yeah. why I want to leave." Yeah. And shortly thereafter, he did. He left. Yeah. You know, yeah. so um, that was it was starting to change. Then we were getting older, right? You know, um, and then next thing you know, as far as me, uh, I was uh, with my uh, church, and they had saw some of the equipment I owned, right? And they asked if they borrow it, and I said yeah, and basically they were like, well. You know, if you could set up this service, because it was a mobile type of church, you know, right? right. Uh, we appreciate. It. So then I was like, okay, and literally, as far as setting up equipment for DJs or parties, I just kind of fell by the wayside, yeah. And I was just doing live stuff for the church, okay. which I really enjoy, yeah. And the reason I enjoy that so much, uh, I have to give this testimony. Right. Back in the early days, yeah, when I was keeping equipment on my mother's garage and I was living on 59th street right. going back and forth and all that stuff. I was getting calls to people to have parties, two, three parties, do two, four, five parties a week. Right. It was going good. Right. Yeah. She said, Dwayne, you have never been to, you know, engineering school. Right. You never been someplace where they build speakers. He says, what you got is a gift, yeah. and God gave that to you. Absolutely. But you got to remember something. You've got to give that gift back. Yep. Exactly. So 
when that was the driving ideal behind me saying, I need to go to the church and do something because if I don't do something for them, how can I do something on another like circular sector, so to speak? Right. Not that we were bad people because we like to dance and listen right, to house right. music, but it was in your spirit what about the back, fact right. that you have to say we came from someplace Absolutely. and that someplace is higher than any of this. Absolutely. So basically, uh, I was doing a lot of things in the church and that developed into doing plays. Okay. So I was doing a lot of stuff with plays. Uh, I was so green with it that I went to Guitar Center right. and a guy by the name of Maurice that worked in Guitar Center, which knew me from doing all the house music stuff. Right. He said, oh, this is the inf- big Maurice we call him. He said, Maurice oh, this King, is yeah. the Maurice King. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He was like, yeah, this is hey, Dwayne. What are you doing in here? And I'm like, man, I, I got to get some stuff for the church, man. Yeah. I need a learning curve on what mics to use, right. what board. And Maurice said, come on, come here, come here. Let me show you what you're going to get. And I, and, and me and him started working together. Every time I go into the Qatar Center, I would right. get this and get that. And uh, we used to call him Mo. Right. And Mo was was giving me uh, direction, you know. Well, that's good. And then I was doing the plays and things like that. So at that point, for me, house music. Yeah. Parties that fell off. Yeah. I was working at my regular job. Right. And I started hearing about a house party over at the Dayton game. Right. Dayton came Wednesday. Oh, yeah, man, they over there doing house music every Wednesday. I'm like, really? So I went by there. Right. And when I went there, uh, I walked, I saw all these old people. That I've known for years, right? You sound like I old, mean, because I did people. a lot. I did Angel right. Looking Glass, right, Ron right. and Ch- I mean, I did a lot of parties, right? right? I started seeing everybody who had been at these different parties, yeah. right? Yeah. But they're now playing house music, right? Again, right? Yeah. And uh, I felt it in me. It was like it was. It was like something you. <laughs> it was trying to come up, you know, it's trying to come up. So I right. said to Rhonda, I said, "Look, Rhonda." She was like, hey, Dwayne, you know, I was like, look, Rhonda, if ever you just, you know, I got a lot of stuff sitting around doing nothing. If you ever have a little party, you need some equipment, let me know. I'll do it. You know, in fact, I might even do it for free for you just for GP. She's like, oh, okay, but we got somebody. I said, I understand because I never want to take business, never want to do that. You know, I said, I understand. So I don't know. That must have been like some destiny or something because I got a call from Terry. Now, Terry Hunter. Terry Hunter, yeah. Right. Now, mind you, Terry Hunter, I knew, you know, there's so many different veins to my body of story, right? right? Correct. But I knew Terry Hunter. And Terry said, hey, Wayne. He said, man, you know, you're always my sound man. I said, what's up? He's like, uh, they want me to play over at uh, the Dayton game, but ain't nobody going to set sounds up but you. Right. I said, well, Terry, you know, I appreciate that, but I, I got to get, you know, there's somebody over there setting up the sounds that that I know. He was like, no, I don't know. You got to set sounds up for me. I said, okay. So I went over there. I took the stuff I had, right, put it in there for Terry. And I remember uh, uh, Dwayne, Dwayne uh, Dana Powell. Right. Dana Powell. I had set up there at the Dana Powell. He said, who who the sound man? And I said, uh, I am. Because, I, you know, if you... You, people know I'm the sound man because I'm always doing yeah, something yeah, with you know. Yeah. Uh, he said, "Man, I, he said I'd have been to a lot of places. I've been down to this place, at that place, at that place. But this is the best sound system I heard inside a a, a a Southside club. 
I said, well, thank you. I, I appreciate that compliment. And then after that, you know, uh, the dating game started because right. Rhonda, Rhonda and Coco, you know, they told me, they said, hey, man, they're asking you to come back to the dating game. Wow. <laughs> so I started doing dating game for a little while. For, yeah. Okay. All right. So I get, I get, I'm, I'm in with two more questions from you. Who is Dwayne Woods DJ he likes to listen to since you've been doing all these years? You've been doing sound, you've been at every party. Give me your top three or top five DJs Dwayne Woods like to listen to. Okay. Well, I know that I've done a lot of parties with Ferris played. And I like Ferris because Ferris is so versatile. He will see, he will come into a party. He have a set of this music, a set of that music, and then, and and everything was always on beat. He was very creative. He had good person. He, he played hard, but he's very creative and good personality and full of energy. Right. Now, if I had to have somebody come play and I and I want old folks to dance, young folks to dance, and have personality, it would be Ferris for the for the way he played. Okay. He was good. Okay. Now, I used to like. You got to remember, all of these DJs were big icons to me. Andre, right, right. I had a party at my house on 59th and Union. That's Andre Hatchet. Andre Hatchet. He came over. He said, Dwayne, I love to play for you, right? right? Andre came over there. Man, that was an epic party. Okay. We were in the, uh, I had tweeters set up and scoops in the living room of my base of my house. Right. And Andre, they beat that that box. It was Andre Hatchet. Andre was great, okay, right? so we got Ferris, Andre Hatchet. Okay. We got three more. Now, um... I did a lot of parties for V Dub. Now Von Woods, y'all call him V Dub. Yeah, I call Von him Von right. because Von. I talk. Von has been in my corner. Like, well, he's been back because he lived around the corner for me. Right, right, right. So right. he's come to the basement yeah. and he wanted to DJ. So he attributes learning some of the DJing from being in my house, being in the basement. Okay. He attributes learning all of the, the the styles and some of the stuff. From the top heavy hitters because we were he was carrying equipment with me okay. and going out there. Right. So uh Vaughn is in that category. Okay, so yeah, Vaughn okay. Ferris and Andre Hatchet. Okay. Two more. I, I, it's more than just two, but no, no, my, I just want your top five. I, don't, I can't I can't I'm not gonna go through I, this I, old story. I, I just I, need, I get it. But I, need, I can't rate I can't I'm not rate. Saying rate I say your top five you like to listen to. Oh, I okay. I get it. I get it. Because I don't want to rate nobody. I these guys got my heart. Okay. Man. Whatever Mike done to do that music, <laughs> boy. Right. The, the, he makes the speakers rock. Man, yeah, look. Yeah, you do. I, I, yeah, you do. Man, look. Because, see, I was doing rentals, right? Right. And Mike put on something. Where you at? Boom, boom, boom. Where you at? And all of a sudden, the whole, I'll be like, Mike, right. what is, what, what, what? You he know. He got that thump in his music. I don't know yeah. what he got. Yeah. But whatever it is he got. Okay. Boom! That 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 tonal quality, I, I yeah. he, man, absolutely. I think I, I think it fits. Okay, Mike's Mike is an engineer, so he he knows how things supposed to sound. All right, um, that's four. One more. Now, <sighs> Frankie slash Ronnie, <laughs> <laughs> Frankie slash Ronnie. Okay. Now, and also okay. listen, Brian Frazier, he okay. was awesome. Okay, 
uh, Brian back in the day when Brian, yeah. he was another all around DJ. Brian Furious Frazier. Brian Furious Frazier. Listen, them guys, they play the box. Right. You dance all night long. Okay. You know, high energy. Um, so, all the DJs. Okay. Well, no, if I, I had, listen. I know. I just wanted to get your. I just wanted to know what was your preference. Like everybody who's a DJ, I ask that question. Who's who they like listening to? You know, stuff like that. So it's just great to hear different perspective from different people all the time. Second, now let me just say this though, okay? Because I know maybe this, maybe this session may be over in a little while, but I need to get this in. And okay. I need to get it in because it's important. Yes. I, it'll be impossible for me personally to name every individual, whether they were a promoter or whether they were DJ, in the time frame that I've been blessed to do the, the things that I've been doing. Right. But any one of them that happens to hear this podcast or interview whatever you call it i want to let them know personally that i appreciate and i really thank them because over the years if it wouldn't have been for their friendship their trust even if it was been something that we had some good and bad if it wouldn't have been for any of that i wouldn't have the memories that i hold on to and those memories they take me through some good times yeah and sometimes when I'm bad, when I make a reflection, because I could tell a story. Yeah. If if anyone asks me to tell a story, I could tell about a lot of anyone. Well, okay. Well, this is the story I want you to tell then. Because hmm? this is my last one I was going to end up on. I wasn't going to since she was going a different way. But now since you said you had different <laughs> stories. So any stories you want to share about people not having your money at the end of the night, feel free to name names and comments on everything. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about money at the end of the night. Yeah. Over the years, you get a feeling. A lot of the people who threw the parties, not all of them, right. but a lot of people threw parties. You saw, they, let's face it, we just nobody's walking around here with the mindset of I got everybody's money up front at the end of the night or in the beginning. I'm gonna give it to them. There are a lot that do that, but there's not a lot of people that do that, right? Right. right. So if the party doesn't go so well, they literally just cannot just go, just come up with money and just give it to you and be done with it, right? So uh, I've had scenarios where I've been like, look, if if I can't get paid I, or, you know, because I got to give something to the people who help me, right. you know, I may have to shut this down right. because I I can't go like this. Who was that? So, Huh? Who was that? <laughs> you know, I had to scratch my head no, on that. No, you know, you, you know what it is. It's hard to remember. You remember a lot of stuff. I, <laughs> Nah, so just, just know, give us a name right now uh, so we just know what uh, it is. I don't remember. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. I plead the I don't remember the fifth one. I don't I I I wish I could tell you. Okay. But I could tell you that out of all the people, they always made good in some fashion, shape, or form. That's good. Even okay. Ron, listen, Ron Hardy. Right. Was, I was down at the music box okay. when it was at Lake Street. Right. They were not getting the crowd like they thought they would should be getting. They were right. getting in a hole, right? I came to Robert and Ron. Look, what we could do to work this out, give me a night. Let me throw a party. They said, okay. And so everybody works it out. But that party, epic. The reason I said that is because, remember, I work with every DJ, right? Right, right. I put that six on the the poster. So give me that. Where was it at, the DJs, and what year? Okay. I don't know the year. 
because it had been in the late had been the late eighties, okay. right? Because okay. I used to drive this blue cutlass, and everybody say the sounds was banging so hard they thought the party was going on, right? You know. Okay. So anyway, uh, so it had been the late eighties, um, late eighties, right? But the DJ Frankie Knuckles, I had Ron Hardy, I had Ferris and Terry, and I think I had Amando and somebody else, right? All in one night. All in one night. Wow. Now Frankie called me up, Dwayne. I know you didn't just put my name on the flyer. Right. I said, well, you know, Frank, I try to get the people here. So he, he didn't have a problem with that, right? Okay. And that night, I t- see, when you do a party for yourself right. and you got a garage full of speakers, yeah. you know what happened. Oh, yeah. You, you got a party got full a party, of speakers, right, right? Exactly. I took all that stuff in there. We stacked it up to the ceiling, okay. right? Right. And, uh, uh, and the party began. When we shut that music off, right, I swear, I kid you not, we looked up, and they had a pole in the middle of the room, and there was this guy at the top of the pole. He had some kind of way danced all the way up to the top of the pole. Right. And we cut the lights, he was up there dancing on the top of the pole. That party was, what? see, that was when you could have a party, nobody bothered you, right? Yeah. And the other, only other party, well, I threw a couple of parties, but- the only other pay party that I threw that I thought was pretty epic, I, I, I created a place called Club Music World. Okay. And it was the general persuasion on Ashland. Okay. Now we're talking mid-80s, uh, I guess. Right. Right? Everybody was doing Hummingbird and uh, uh, Mr. G's, and the general persuasion was down there. Right. I did a party for a high school person. They father owned a place. I went to, uh, I forget his name, Mr. Ford, something Ford. Okay. I went to him and said, I'd like to do a party here once a week. Right. Could you give me the room for once a week? And his name was James. He said, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. You know, you don't have to have my money. I said, I will. Right. So I started creating the flyers. Then I called it Club Music World. Okay. Right. And that first party here again Eight, six DJs, Little Lewis, right. Armando, okay. Ferris, Terry, Ron Hardy, uh, somebody else, right? Okay. okay. And I told, since I had been on the other side of the coin, I told all the DJs, when you, I can guarantee you $100 when you walk to the door. Right. And if it makes money, I'll pay you the other greed amount. Right. But if it can't make money, then I can know I got you $100 when you walk through. Right. So they walked in. Here again, stack of speakers, right? Party going good. Lil Lewis came on. We He playing, right? Now, <clears throat> while he playing, all of us, remember, everybody making their own music this, right? Right, right. All of a sudden, we hear, you know, we like, yeah, that's my new track, right? Then that thing said, we was like, what is it doing? Then next, you know, and that was French Kiss. We was like, man, that was like, did you hear that? You know, and now he might have played it someplace else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on South Side of Chicago, that's where he played that. French Kiss was played at Club Music World. Wow, and. We were like, man, that was it, you know. Look at that. That's history, y'all. Y'all getting the history knowledge from my man Dwayne here. But, Dwayne, 
I just want to say thank you very much for this, man. I know you're a busy, man. Uh, I wanted to give you your flowers now, man, while you stay here so people know your story and your history. Um, you had a lot more to tell. I know that. But um, I just want to say thank you very much, man. Love you, brother. I appreciate you. Uh, I love your testimony, man, uh, and I, I understand that. So um, thank you for being on the show, brother. And um, they can reach you anywhere, right? What, what's the name of the sound company now? <laughs> it's Just Right Sound. Uh, Just Right Sound. Yeah. And, I created uh, a logo for you. Where's the logo at, man? <laughs> we got to make that logo, yeah. No, I made it for you. You said you like it. Where's it at? Well, this was a shirt from the Chosen Few Picnic. Uh, oh, speaking of that, you did the sound for Chosen Few Picnic too, right? Yeah, yeah. That was, uh, it. Uh, I give 100% uh, credit to my boy Terry Hunter. You remember, okay. Terry told me I'd be a sound man. Right. So, I guess 10, 12, 13 years ago, Chosen Few Picnic and Dr. Terry. Right. I was out of town. Right. When I came back in town for the next year, Terry said, Wayne, we got to take this to the next level. Right. We want you to be. The, I want you to be a sound man for it. Wow. I said, "Okay, Terry, no problem." Right. So we went out there. That was when the chosen few didn't start until eleven, twelve o'clock, whatever. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. We went out there, put a sound system out there, and every year Terry told me the same thing. Wayne, next year, what you brought, take it up a notch. Right. I said, "Okay, Terry." And it kept going up a notch. Yeah. I really want to thank Terry for the fact that he brought me through the door. Okay. I want to thank uh, Alan and uh, Wayne Williams right. for the fact that while I was in the door, the, the, the respect and the and the and the gratitude, right. you know, that that came out of being there. Yeah, um, I always had a great time with that picnic. Right, um, I met a lot of world famous djs right. and it was one of my biggest achievements to do was to make that stage sound like we was at a club oh, absolutely and i'm did. telling you <laughs> i have seen a lot of things jumping around on that stage right. that, that got put in motion from the speakers that was up yes, there yes sir yes sir all right brother well that's it man i love you man once again thank you for being on the show man this is everything house music more man peace